HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey, road trippers, you have indeed reached Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits in rural Mexico. But before we can take off on this week's road trip, we need to fill up the tank, which is code for pay the bills, which is code for run the commercials for the folks who are enabling us to go on these agave road trips. So sit back and Chava and I will circle back to you in a second. The Stone Barn Center for Food and Agriculture will be hosting their annual Young Farmers and Cooks Conference virtually this year on December 8th through 10th. Programming will cover topics like mutual aid, regional grain economies, land management practices, and much, much more. Whether you're a farmer, cook, butcher, miller, preservationist, processor, or anyone else in the food chain, this conference is for you. Learn more at stonebarncenter.org slash YFCC. This episode of Agave Road Trip is brought to you by FlaskFineWines.com. If you're like me and you choose agave spirits over wine, FlaskFineWines.com has something that might change your mind. What might that be? Stick around after this episode to find out. Now, strap yourself in for another episode of Agave Road Trip. This is Lou Bank. This is Chava Periban. And this is Agave Road Trip, the podcast that teaches gringo bartenders about agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. And today, we're going to talk about, what are we going to talk about, Chava? Absolute truths. Absolute truths. There are so many absolute truths in the making of heritage agave spirits, Java. It's legitimacy. So I think a lot of this comes from just the notion of wanting to to give certain rules, which is your denomination of origin, the thing that you love the most. In, uh, <laughs> oh, I I wouldn't even say that it's denomination of origin. It's not exclusive to that. But, you know, but, you but can... I think denomination of origin was the first collection of absolute truths of how to make this thing right. I mean, that's the whole idea oh. about denomination of origin. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's fair. That is a very fair point. And it's a, boy, it's a great illustration of how wrong it is to try to stuff these absolute truths into this huge space that just doesn't contain it. Exactly. But uh, there's definitely a useful part of doing that because you can, for example, cal- like you can make something more valuable than other. 
And I think that's the whole idea also of denomination of origin. These are the rules about making it right and more valuable than the stuff that doesn't comply to the rules. Oh, I, I think that's um, I think that is the way to define the worst aspects of denominations of origin. I, I think, in fact, I, I think there can be an uh, an angelic side to them if they're run um, with the right intentions. Yes, but uh, yeah, you, but, you, but, but, you're about to say respectfully, respectfully, responsibly, yeah. or inche- intelligently. But uh, <laughs> all of those things are. Um, do you think they happen right now in the Gavis spirits context? I don't. Um, I don't think they do, and <laughs> I, you know, I, I struggle with this a lot because um, I, I really do want to believe that most people have the best intentions, and so. I try to look at uh, the denomination of origin for Mescal as people who are really trying to achieve something good um, and and really at the base of it, trying to achieve the same thing I'm trying to achieve, right? Which is to to ensure that more people live better lives. Um, and we just have very different strategies of how to achieve that, right? Mm. Uh, but, but, but. But, you know, so like when you when you look at the specifically the DO for Mescal and you talk about the absolute truths, you know, the, f- for me, the first thing that I think about um, are is the chemical analysis. Right. OK, and so but wait, wait, so- wait, 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 wait. Before you go into something that specific, I think we should explain a <laughs> little bit of what's the denomination of origin in agave spirits world. So basically, it's the rules that will allow you to call your spirit mezcal. If you don't comply with those rules, you cannot label your spirit as mezcal. You'll have to say something like aguardiente, destilado de agave, or something else. And those rules separate mezcal into three categories, industrial, artisanal, and ancestral, right? And well, it, yeah. I mean, there's more than that. There's also uh, distilled with, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. But and then, but yeah, within and there's the aged, yeah, and, yeah. But within those three main categories, yeah. And then there's some basic rules about it. And as you were saying, some of the rules about that is the chemical analysis that they have to go well, like a chemical balance. So, well, you know, but actually, let's let's uh, let me step back from that because I think there's a bigger one, right? So, the word mezcal is now controlled by the Mexican government. And so the absolute truth is literally whatever the Mexican government says. By law, that literally is the the absolute truth. And so this this word that has meant something to so many families for hundreds of years, right, suddenly is no longer in their actual possession. So the absolute truth is there are only nine states in which you can make agave spirits and call them mezcal. And you think that's accurate? No, absolutely How, not. <laughs> what is it? There's is it is there's 31 states? Is that right, Chavo? That's correct. Yes, and I will claim that at least in 25 they do some sort of agave spirit related thing. Right. So there are all of these families in all these other places who have been making it for for multiple generations, and and if if. You call it mezcal and bring it into the U.S., you're going to get shut down. Yeah, fine, shut down. Yeah, and and yet, and yet, then there's this whole mezcal geek culture who will tell you that it is not mezcal unless it is at least 45% ABV, when in fact, the people who make the rules say, no, 
Mezcal is mezcal if it's at least 35% ABV, alcohol by volume. So who should we trust? Like, what's the criteria behind this? Like, because, you know, one, once a set of rules is made, uh, one will like to believe that there's a criteria, there's an objective. That, like, denominations of origins were created to protect the quality of a heritage product, right? That's the idea behind it. In I the mean, best that's what, form. In the yes. best form, yes. But it could also be said that denominations of origin were put into place to protect commercial producers. That's correct, too. Yeah. Yeah. And but, but both can happen at the same time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, kind of sort. You know, it's funny. We're, I'm actually in this book group, uh, this online book group, and we're studying uh, Divided Spirits, Sarah Bowen's brilliant book about the denominations of origin uh, for tequila and mezcal. And this is exactly the conversation we've been having. Um, and the, the example that she brings up in the first chapter of a good DO is Comte cheese. And you can look at how they've set up all of their rules. And the rules are very specifically set up to ensure that large corporations can't come in and start making Comte cheese. Awesome. Yes, and that's the biggest danger about making a static, very well-defined set of rules, right? That someone that is more efficient might come in and just take the whole thing over. Right, right. So like one of the rules is you have to touch every cow twice a day. I love that. And is there is there is there, <laughs> is there a specific way to caress the cow on the head <laughs> on the back? I, I I've I've not I've not read the uh, the specificity of that, and I'm hoping that it's you know it's innocent. But I'm gonna guess that it's just literally touch the cow. Awesome. Um, but but I'll also say as part of this book group, I, I grabbed a bunch of Comte cheeses um, uh, to taste, and there was one that I thought was outstanding, and the rest were like good cheese. Mm. But but if it's if if the end result is a, you know, good cheese, and B, a bunch of small families are able to continue doing what they've been doing the way they've been doing it for hundreds of years. Like that's, I would, I would qualify that as a win. And I'm not sure that I'm willing to say, on the other hand, um, if you're just making money for big companies that employ tons of people, that that's, that's not a win. Like if you look at since since the DOs for tequila and mezcal have come into operation, without question, the sales of those spirits have exploded. Yes. And that's, which is a lot of money in Mexico. And a lot of people win with that. But I think something that I love about this absolute truth uh, discussion is that even the most basic thing, even the mm -hmm. most basic element can be contested. And we have an oh. amazing quote from Apolonio Patricio, which I was saying it's probably the best name I've heard in years, that even contests the idea that you only use the heart for fermentation, that you only use the piña for fermenting agave. The piña of the agave, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think we should listen to that. Just, and I love <laughs> it because it contests even the most basic understanding that we have about fermenting agave. Beautiful. Okay, so let's go in there. Siempre lo hemos usado, 
Since we started working, we have always used the pencas because they also have a bit of sugar. We cut them short and mix them with the piñas in the fermentation tanks. That way we keep the sugars that otherwise will be wasted. The pencas that we use are from agave espadín and agave arroqueño. Before, we used to only use the arroqueño pencas because we thought that the espadín pencas were too thin. Later we realized, though, that they also have some good sugars. Another part of this is that we have to select the pencas. Not all of them are ideal. We never use the ones on the top or the bottom, only the ones in the middle. Okay, so there you go. That's that's uh, Polo Patricio, who uh, who makes uh, mezcal, certified mezcal, in a Hootla, Oaxaca. And uh, his stuff, you can find it in the U.S. bottled um, by Bon Ez Mezcal. Um, so yeah, so like there's a there's the word from the horse's mouth that something that everybody thinks is true. You only you have to cut off the pancas and you have to throw them away, and you only use the heart of agave to make mezcal. Not true, or sometimes not true, which is the most important thing that we're trying to say. Yes, that because this is an extremely diverse scenario with people living in very different places. One thing can be true in one place, but not true in the other. It can be true in one family, but not in the other. Right? Right. Right. Yeah. Anytime you say this is how it's done, you know, I don't care what you're talking about, how you cook the agave, how you mill the agave, how you ferment the agave, uh, how you distill it, and then how you make the cuts. You know, sometimes, sometimes it's just distilled once. Sometimes it's distilled three times. And then sometimes it is twice. Sometimes it's aged in wood. Sometimes it's not aged in wood. Sometimes it's aged in glass. And something that I love, it's uh, it has happened to all of us. You go to a palenque, you try to be extremely respectful when you're drinking the agave spirit. And you've been trying to only sip it. And then the palenque or the guy making there gets the glass of mezcal and shoots it right there. <laughs> you're like, but I thought you had to appreciate it and sip it and take a like full respect to it. And he's like, no, I just oh want to get God. drunk right away. Like, I don't care about all of that. Or they will take a Coca-Cola and throw it in there. <laughs> <I'd be> like, <laughs> right. Or God, I've, I've even had uh, people that I respect. I have a tremendous respect for have told me you, the, the, the gusano is just for the tourists. You don't ever add the gusano to real mezcal and the guy who taught me that i was at his place a couple of years ago and he had a giant garrafone full of mezcal <laughs> with three dozen gusanos in it and i asked him he said well those are the good gusanos oh <laughs> okay the good gusanos well it's because people to all also forget that mezcal it's party props Right? Like a lot of the people that <laughs> sure. make mezcal have been getting the respect of their town because they make mezcal and they want to do the next crazy thing to just blow everybody's mind. So, of course, you're going to find diversity. And I just think the conclusion is no absolute truths in agave spirits world. Well, there is one absolute truth. What is that one? That we are at the end of this episode. <laughs> Chava, it's been lovely. And I'll catch you next time around. Adios, Lou. Hang on, road trippers, we're not done yet. We've got an episode of Chava and Lou's Chat Fest coming up. Hey, Chava, you, uh, you know how I feel about wine, right? Well, I thought I did, but then you told me your dirty little secret with Toscan wines. It is a dirty little secret, but still, 
in general, I'm going to be choosing an agave spirit over a wine, right? Okay, I get it. Yeah, but but here's the thing. That's my choice because heritage agave spirits require so much more skill and better reflect the place where they come from than wines do. Everyone talks terroir with wine, but how often are those grapes fermented open air with the natural yeast from the land around them? Well, you make it sound like it was super weird, but as far as I understand, that's always the case with natural wines, no? Yeah, 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 that, exactly. I've had a few of these natural wines, and I, I, I think that may be a crossover for me. But only because of the open air fermentation? Yeah, yeah. That makes wine, or at least, you know, at least natural wines, feel more real to me in the way that heritage agave spirits do. Okay. I mean, I, I absolutely get it. I mean, we've talked so much about how much I love the open air fermentation, but so where do you get these wines, Lou? Why, Chava? I get my natural wines from flaskfinewines.com. Well, of course you do, Lou. Uh, but because you're too lazy to go to a wine store and you are afraid people are going to shame you. <laughs> yes, all of that's true. And most of the wine stores in Chicago have banned me for swearing at their selections, Chava. Okay, so if any of our road trippers want to try natural wines and see if the open-air fermentation reminds them of the heritage agave spirits we love, they can order bottles from flaskfinewines.com and have the bottles delivered right to their door. That's right, Chava. Flaskfinewines.com offers nationwide shipping of fine wines and spirits within the USA and... And they're a sponsor of Agave Road Trip. Thanks a lot, flaskfinewines.com. Adios. This is Chava and Loose Chat Fest. We're going to chat you up. It's the podcast within a podcast that has nothing to do with agave, agave spirits, or rural Mexico. What are we chatting about today, Chava? The one thing that I have absolutely no experience with. And I wish I don't get a lot of experience with it either. Weddings. <laughs> <laughs> Weddings. It's it's remarkable. You're how old? 12? I'm 31 years old, Lou. 31 <laughs> years old. And you've been to how many weddings? I believe three. Three weddings. And all of family wow. members, cousins. Uh, really? Yeah. Not even friends. No, I once, I wouldn't say I crashed into a wedding. I, I was just passing by and somebody told me to walk in there and I walked in there for a bit, but that's, I don't really count that as a wedding. Oh God. You know, so um, the the first time I was asked, I think this is accurate. I think the first time I was invited to a wedding as an adult, like not a family wedding, right? The first time I was invited to a wedding, I was invited to be the best man. Okay. And it was it was a very <laughs> odd situation where so I, I I had just moved to rural Florida. Um, I was all of nineteen years old, maybe twenty years old, and I was running a comic book distribution warehouse down there in Southern Florida. And one of my customers, uh, Jerry, really nice guy, owned a comic book shop called Past, Present, and Future. Um, he like he and I became really good friends within within weeks of my starting down there, because every week he would come to pick up his new comics and he'd come early and we'd talk, right? <laughs> and and so we became friends and I knew that he was engaged to his girlfriend. And then on like, like three months or four months in, he asked me, you know, hey, you know, so our wedding is coming up in a few months. Would you, uh, would, you would you like to come? I said, oh yeah, that's very nice. Yeah, I'd love to attend the wedding. And he said, and I know it's a weird question, but would you like to be the best man? 
Wow. I hadn't even I, known him a year. And that's a big deal, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, and he said, and this is my recollection, right? And my recollections, I tend to I tend to adjust them for better stories. So it might not be verbatim. And and Jerry, if you're listening to this, like forgive me, or Jerry's friends, if you're listening to this, forgive me. But my recollection is he looked at my face and he said, "Yeah, I know it's a it's an odd request, but I asked my uh, my priest." Um, uh, what I should be looking for in a best man. And he said, you should find somebody who's responsible and you're the only responsible guy I know. <laughs> okay. Right? Uh, you, you are very consistent, Lou. So yeah, I, I, I'll give you that. <laughs> well, I, I hang on. Like, I, I like to think of myself as responsible, but I was 19 or 20-year-old responsible, <laughs> Lou, which is not the same as 54-year-old responsible, Lou. I like... I, I think I asked him like what specific things should I do? And I didn't understand bachelor party. So I didn't host a bachelor party, but seventh day Adventist, uh, they don't drink. So maybe that was okay. Um, but he told me that my main duty was to make sure I had the ring. Okay. I did that. And then make sure I got everybody's tuxedos turned in, which I did. <laughs> what wasn't part of the main duty was making out with two of the bridesmaids, which I did do, which doesn't seem like the most responsible way to be a best man. And, but nobody was drinking and still you managed to... Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, well, that, that that's remarkable. Yeah. Like, no no alcohol and still, like, such high numbers. Okay. Yeah, but, you know, once, once they declare you the best man, it's sort of easy, right? Like, at that point, all of the bridesmaids, oh, he's the best man? He's the one I want to make out with. Okay. Wow. Like, I, again, like, these all dynamics have escaped me, and maybe now I want to go to a wedding. <laughs> or uh, or, or okay. just, just lobby to be a best man. <laughs> yeah, that, that's going to be way out of my league, but okay. You know, and, and, and I know that we're supposed to do an either-or thing with these, uh, like I do one, you do one, we trade off on the chat fest, but I'm actually going to, um, I'm going to call seniority because I'm a senior <laughs> and, uh, we're going to do another chat fest that isn't about weddings, but in essence is a retelling of a toast that I did at my best friend's wedding. Can we do that as my next chat fest? Absolutely. Again, uh, my, my story is a lack of stories. So let's do that. Adios, joven Lou. Hasta pronto. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lou Bank and Chava Periban. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. A Gabby Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. 
Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly, eat responsibly too, and listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.